Our, uh, our reading for tonight from continuing with the dismantling orthodoxy um, liturgy is from Genesis 25. These are the descendants of Isaac, Abraham's son. Abraham was the father of Isaac, and Isaac was 40 years old when he took to wife Rebekah, the daughter of Bethuel, the Aramean, of Padam Aram, the sister of Laban, the Aramean. And Isaac prayed to the Lord for his wife, because she was barren. And the Lord granted his prayer, and Rebekah, his wife, conceived. The children struggled within her, and she said, If it is thus, why do I live? So she went to inquire of the Lord. The Lord said to her, Two nations are in your womb, and two peoples born of you shall be divided. The one shall be stronger than the other. The elder shall serve the younger. When her days to be delivered were fulfilled, behold, there were twins in her womb. The first came forth red, all his body like a hairy mantle. So they called his name Esau. Afterwards his brother came forth, and his hand had taken hold of Esau's heel. So his name was called Jacob. Now Isaac was 60 years old when she bore them. When the boys grew up, Esau was a skillful hunter, a man of the field, while Jacob was a quiet man dwelling in tents. Isaac loved Esau because he ate of his game, but Rebekah loved Jacob. Once when Jacob was boiling pottage, Esau came in from the field and he was famished. And Esau said to Jacob, Let me eat some of that red pottage, for I am famished. Therefore, his name was called Edom. And Jacob said, First, sell me your birthright. Esau said, I am about to die. What use is a birthright to me? Jacob said, Swear to me first. So he swore to him, and sold his birthright to Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau bread and pottage of lentils, and he ate and drank and rose and went on his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. The word of the Lord. He felt like he didn't know how long he'd been sitting there, but then told himself that that was ridiculous, that no one really thinks to themselves, I don't know how long I've been sitting here. That's something that one writes about a character, like he didn't know how long he'd been sitting there. And even if this were the case, the case for himself or 
a character in a story, one doesn't remain in that state for very long. Or at least one doesn't need to. A more likely scenario would be that someone, even himself, would get a sudden thought that would interrupt their lost-in-thought episode. The sudden thought being something like, oh, what time is it? And then they would look at a clock on the wall or look at their phone, and they would not only know what time it is, but they would have half the information needed to figure out how long they'd been sitting there. He easily recalled the time that he sat down and started looking at the ironically purchased sad clown painting that hung on the wall too low, directly across the table from him. It was like having coffee with the painting. But that thought then led to another thought and another, which led to the sudden interrupting thought, oh, what time is it? Which led to the whole argument with himself about whether or not one could realistically say of oneself, I don't know how long I've been sitting here. He sipped his coffee, hoping to swallow this whole train of thought. Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, Jekyll and Hyde, a real Jekyll and Hyde kind of situation. Everyone knows the expression. Nearly everyone knew the story. Probably mostly as some culturally acquired knowledge, cultural seepage of some sort. A lot probably knew it from the more than 30 films and some knew it from the Robert Louis Stevenson book. He had read the book, once in junior high, when he'd stayed home from school, sick, and his mom was making him stay in bed and not letting him lay on the couch and watch TV. His aunt had given it to him for his birthday like five years ago, but he never even thought of reading it. He never even thought of reading it before. But he was bored and he saw it on the shelf, and this time evidently was right, because having noticed it there many different occasions, this time it occurred to him to read it. He read the whole book straight through, not even putting it down while he ate the chicken noodle soup his mom brought him. The whole thing straight through. He'd never done that before. It was really scary. He remembered thinking as he was reading it, this is really scary. When he finished the book, When he closed the back cover, he felt afraid. Not of anything in particular. No thought or memory from the book was in mind. He just felt the sensation of fear. Really afraid and smart. Because he had read a whole book in one sitting. Like an old book, too. He would not have guessed that the combination of afraid and smart would produce this kind of euphoria. He just sat there in his bed, sat still until the sensation subsided. While most people, when using the phrase or approaching the story for whatever reason, do so with the knowledge that Jekyll and Hyde are the same person, that's sort of the point of the remark, what most people don't realize, because they didn't read the book, is that Robert Louis Stevenson doesn't reveal that Jekyll and Hyde are the same person until the end of the book. For most of the book, it just reads like a mystery. He wondered how far into most people's lives they find out that they are both. 
Hopefully not at the end. Maybe never. More likely in a sort of cycle of realization and forgetting. He didn't know a lot about Freud or psychoanalysis, but one time last winter, when it was crowded in the coffee shop, a girl sat down across from him, and she, they started talking, and she was studying to be a psychoanalyst, which seemed cool and interesting. And she had been in psychoanalysis for seven years. He didn't even know that that was a thing anymore, which is what he said to her. He actually said, I didn't even know that was a thing anymore. She just repeated it questioningly. A thing anymore? And thankfully continued what she was saying. What a complete idiot he was. He felt embarrassed even now just thinking about it. You didn't know it was a thing anymore? Like what things do you think there are now? He literally hit himself in the forehead with the butt of his palm. Idiot. Then he thought, that was a year ago. It wasn't a crime. You just said something, not even a bad or mean thing or a wrong something, just a conversation something, and you're hitting yourself in the head about it a year later? And then he thought, and now you're scolding yourself about hitting yourself. He tipped his coffee mug back and took a big swallow. It was too hot, but he took another. He had told her that he had thought it was like out of favor or had been disproven or something. No, not at all, she told him. It's more prominent in Europe now than it has ever been. It's just the United States. The insurance companies, they paid for a whole bunch of studies to put it in a bad light and like make a caricature of it. They even paid to have it portrayed as a joke in a whole bunch of movies. Why do they care, he'd asked her. Why do they care, she'd responded excitedly. Why do insurance companies care about anything? Money, he offered timidly. Yes, money. You know, when you're in analysis, you go for like five days a week for like five or ten years. Do you think an insurance company wants everybody doing that? Medication is so much cheaper. Or they also they came up with all these alternatives, like brief relational therapy. Brief psychodynamic therapy. Time-limited dynamic therapy. They will tell you all the studies show that they are much more effective. And guess what? You're better in six months. After this conversation, he'd gotten really excited about Freud and psychoanalysis. Briefly excited. He read a whole Wikipedia article. and Checked some books out of the library but just glanced through them. He didn't really read them. He didn't really return them either. He could not believe that that girl had gone to analysis five days a week for seven years. She had told him that. One day, her analyst told her that she was done, that she was fully, a fully integrated self. He could not get that out of his mind. It intrigued him. That really intrigued him. A fully integrated self? Was that possible? And like, what is it even? She seemed like happy, but you know, not like a superior being or anything. He wondered if he could ever become a fully integrated self or how long it would take him. 
One place he read said the average was 5.7 years. For phobias and depression, uncomplicated by ego deficits, it was much shorter. He didn't know for sure what an ego deficit was, but he was pretty sure he had one. <laughs> it said it took longer for more serious disturbances such as obnoxiousness, severe passivity, and heinous procrastination. It really said that. Phobias, depression, no problem. But obnoxiousness, severe passivity, and heinous procrastination, you're in for the long haul there. After he read that, he gave up on ever achieving a fully integrated self. Jerry came over and nudged him in the shoulder. Hey, snap out of it. I have to close up early. All this snow melting is flooding the basement. I got to pump it out and mop it. What? Snap out of what? You know, picking on yourself. What are you talking about? What do you mean? You know, you come in here all the time, you sit there, and you pick on yourself. How do you know that? He asked Jerry. Look, the water's rising. I gotta go. I don't pick on myself. What names, he said. What do you mean? What names do you call yourself? when you're picking on yourself. He didn't say anything, but immediately thought, idiot, loser, obnoxious, heinous procrastinator. <laughs> I'm just thinking. I just, I'm just thinking about stuff. Okay, well, I gotta go. I need to, the water's coming up. I gotta get, will you just, can I ask you something? Jerry looked irritated. But he sat down. So, like, Jekyll thought that everybody has, like, this good and bad all mixed up inside of him, and he thought he wanted to separate it, maybe to get rid of the bad self. And does Freud, like, want to, like, somehow put all the selves together? Like, Jerry got up. Look, I got to go. The water's rising. I can feel it. I got to get down there. Look, give up the search for salvation. It's selfish. Is that Nietzsche, he asked? <laughs> no, St. Benedict. Give up the search for salvation. It's selfish? Well, then what do I do? Grab a mop. Follow me.